0: Now what you should talk about is why 51% of our budget, 1999, went for war, went to the Pentagon. They're now demanding $30 billion a year more over the next decade. Now we're getting away from books and so I'm going to give a political speech.
1: You told me before the program started that you just spent some time calculating how much money this country has allocated to weaponry. Yes. Sir. Over what period and what's the number? just this instant you gave it to me I apologize say it
0: again 7.1 trillion dollars has gone for war since 1949 okay and we have had no enemy except the ones we selected as far as I know the Viet Cong never attacked us we attacked them in the interest of corporate America there were a lot of ties between great corporations and South Vietnam we interfered in their civil war and in, in their affairs and we have suffered greatly same thing with Korea. 49 was one of the big build-up started Harry Truman put in peacetime drafting enormous amount of money for the military and uh, it was so it was all quite deliberate he used uh, the fact that Greece and Turkey this is about 1950 might fall to the Russian bear because England had been protecting Greece and England was broke. We must take their place. And he he and Dean Acheson, who was this is all in the golden age, so those interested in the subject may turn to that. But they got together and decided to make a real issue that the Russians were coming, the Russians were coming. Communism was a great danger to the United States. Well communism was a great danger to the Russians and to the People, their satellite states they were no danger to us but officially the good reason for the build-up was, there was uh, Truman and Atchison were afraid we'd fall back into the depression we didn't get out of the depression until 1940 when we started to arm to go to war against Hitler and uh, Japan struck at us that ended the depression now they're beginning to see dicey times coming they loved General Motors and said, What's good for General Motors is good for the country, said the chairman of the board. And that meant war. There's been nothing but war ever since. One historian put it very nicely in one phrase Our policy is perpetual war for perpetual peace. And that is insanity. That is why we have it. the worst public educational system uh, in the first world. That's why we have no health care for the people the people get nothing back for their tax money this is a populist line that you're hearing from me and that is the theme of many of my books we get nothing back except all this armament and lately if you've been reading the papers the chiefs of uh, the various services are demanding more and more money because it's all deteriorating and there is no enemy we create enemies we blow up an aspirin factory in the Sudan Well, if the Sudanese had any power they'd probably blow up a factory here but they don't and they won't and we go right on we're the number one terrorist on earth and now you and through my series of seven books you see this evolution and how the American people were left out decisions were made over their heads by the equivalent of corporate America back in the 18th century and that nowadays that we have no redress because we have no representative government one senator if you remember Scoop Jackson was known as the senator f- from Boeing not the senator from Washington that's what happened to us so if we were to have a real election we'd be discussing what I've just been discussing
1: Thanks for joining me today. The subject today is going to be about cowards. Cowards. I have had that on my mind for a long time for a couple reasons. One, I think that we likely have been behaving as cowards to get ourselves in this position of, you know, oppression and all the stuff that's going on. We played a role in that and we played cowards when they played bullies, right? So I also believe that psychopaths are cowards. And I also believe that they are sadists. And I started this conversation a few years ago about them being sadists because it's not really been defined because, of course, their main researcher, Robert Hare, is one of them himself. So I believe within the term, the idea of psychopathy is that there is a strong leaning toward cowards and racism and sadism because the main trick of a good psychopath is to first flip it on you first okay so if they get the idea that you're going to be exposed to them let's say for their lies or something first thing they'll do is they'll smear you with being a liar right so you of course will become upset and start yelling hey wait a minute i'm not the liar you're the liar and then they can calmly point to people and say yeah you know I hated to point that out about Diane being a liar, but did you see her reaction, how crazy she got over all that? So they use our emotional reactions to things as evidence that we are, in fact, what they're saying. So that's how it works, basically. You call somebody else what you are. Like they're always calling us racist. Well, who's the racist here? I would say they are. Do you see any black people in their (laughs) crowd? Not really. Uh, There's one guy, um, I think the central banker for... um, Atlanta is black. But that's about it. Who's getting beat up? Who's getting imprisoned? Black and brown people, right? So anyway, so yeah, I think there's a lot to this coward thing because cowards would also go after minorities. Vulnerable people get picked on by cowards, right? So I'll have more of that later because this whole thing is really about murder, money, and magic, okay? And the part that I have always been finding interesting is that they are so intent on poisoning and murdering the rest of us that they are in fact also poisoning themselves and I'll get into that more later why I would say that so speaking of money don't know if you're aware of this but um, the US government is getting into the crypto business well they call it digital always remember evil has to come packaged as hell I guess they run the crypto scam I think three crypto companies are now in bankruptcy and robbing millions of people all your favorite people, Mark, Mark Cuban, all of them were pitching crypto. You see, they have no sense of remorse, no sense of conscience, so that's how this whole game works. So let's talk about what they have in store for us, because you're starting to see a lot of things in the news about Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, and people need to get access to their money faster. Well, they've come up with a brilliant solution. I'm not arguing that Americans don't live paycheck to paycheck. All I'm saying is they always want to lead us up to these ideas, so when they propose them then we think, yeah, that is a great idea, until of course the idea gets actually implemented and then we find that it was an ugly, horrible idea, right? Okay, it is called the Banking for All Act. It was introduced in the Senate March the 23rd, 2020. This bill requires Federal Reserve member banks to provide digital pass-through accounts, i.e. digital dollar wallets, to residents and citizens and to businesses domiciled in the United States. Among other things, these accounts must provide specified banking services to eligible persons who elect to deposit funds into these accounts including access to COVID-19, remember this was a couple years ago, coronavirus 2019, and payment. So they were saying they were going to put the money for any payouts for COVID through the system. These accounts may not charge fees or have balance requirements and must provide a specified interest rate. Sounded pretty good, isn't it? In areas with limited access to Federal Reserve member banks, these banks must partner with postal retail facilities to provide services. Bernie Sanders was pushing this for a long time, get poor people into people that can't have banks in this country they wanted to run it through the post office and looky here that's exactly what they're doing. Federal Reserve banks must permit state non-member banks and credit unions to open master accounts for the purpose of offering digital pass-through accounts. Postal retail facilities and certain small banks must be reimbursed by the appropriate Federal Reserve Bank for operational costs incurred by offering the accounts." Well, that's something else, isn't it? So, digital money is coming our way. If you're not paying attention to that China Insights channel, he's talking every day about what's going on in China with, oh, I don't know, the banks closing, people not being able to access their funds. Okay, This week, the Vatican, the Vatican, three of our prong of three, right? Vatican, City of London, Washington, D.C. The Vatican called in their money. They want all of the Vatican groups to return the money to the Vatican Bank by, I think it's September the 30th. So they're calling in their money. What does that mean? Don't know. The U.S. banks are at it again. Remember 2008 was by giving what they called liar loans. In other words, you could say whatever you wanted and still get a loan. Well, they're back at it again. What are they doing now? Well, they're concerned for black and brown people for being left out of the housing market is crushing their evil hearts. What they want to do is tell people that we will give loans to anyone. Black, brown, and even some of us poor white folks could get in on this deal. What the deal is is no money down, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. So. This is what they're doing for people to help them is to hook them into some crooked loans. Well, you do the math. Anyway, so I don't know what people are going to do. I don't believe that internet service carriers are going to keep up the speed that we're paying for. Probably they're going to be throttling us down, you know, lower speeds and all that kind of stuff in the future. But I kind of wonder about people that have their entire lives hooked up on smartphones, smart, you know, smart this, smart that. Well, there's a group out of Colorado, and this article read, Big Brother is controlling your thermostat, screamed one right-wing headline in recent days in the wake of news from Colorado that some 22,000 smart thermostats were locked on a day when the temperature approached 90 degrees. The reason? Those utility company customers were unable to adjust their thermostats to more specifically set it to a cooler temperature and get the AC blasting. Well, be careful the deals you sign up with these people, kids. They offer deals, and there's usually a payback. I imagine there's people in Texas right now who have not recovered from a couple, you know, what was it, a couple of years ago they blasted Texas the last time. So, yeah, I, I, I suspect there's people in Texas that were crushed to the teeth over, you know, $10,000 utility bills. So, and in the news today, this week, John Stewart, that Jewish CIA agent, all these comedians are nothing but agents. John Stewart, used to like the guy, makes my skin crawl now. But anyway, John Stewart did a thing with some Nazi guys giving them awards. And one of the, one, it was actually a Ukraine guy that had a Nazi look, tattoo. But in the presentation, they airbrushed out the dude's Nazi tattoo. So they obviously know what they're doing in the media, right? Um, and world leaders were coming out. Germany came out this week, the woman who's in charge of Germany, and said that We are with Ukraine. We will stand by Ukraine no matter what. I don't care what the voters have to say. We stand with Ukraine. Well, Ukraine is a money dump, okay? Ukraine is just replacing Afghanistan for loading taxpayer money from all of our countries into Ukraine, which heads directly into the Bank of London. (laughs) This is not complicated stuff, kids. Not complicated. So, another thing that's pretty interesting, if I were you with all these banking things going on, if you do in fact own property, I would hustle yourself down to your county recorder's office and I would want to visibly see with my own eyes the paperwork that relate to my house, because all over this country, you know, there's something called tax forfeit things going on, right? The city of Detroit, In the last minute, this isn't from 100 years ago, okay, this is recently. The city of Detroit has grabbed so many poor people's homes by illegal means by saying they owe taxes they didn't owe, and then they come in and grab their home, to the tune of if they were to pay all these people back, it would be like, oh, some crazy amount, like sixty hundred millions and millions of dollars and people in Detroit aren't exactly living in luxury homes so you figure they had to scoop up a heck of a lot of houses to get that much money okay so they've been going around scooping scooping up property so if I were you I would make sure my relationship with my bank and my property was all clean <laughs> however however you think it is just go look and make sure that's how it is okay because local governments can pad, they actually pad their budgets with stolen equity In Detroit, for instance, there is a budget line every year for the expected windfalls from home foreclosures. Some politicians use the system to reward their friends and family with homes priced below market. In Montana, before the practice was banned, local treasurers sold foreclosed homes for pennies on the dollar to preferred private investors. In Michigan, some local officials auction properties to their family and connected businesses at a discount. This type of tax foreclosure abuse is called home equity theft and it is completely legal in 13 states, okay? So I would make sure that you're not one of those states where it's legal and just make sure you know what you own, okay? So in today's show, I'm going to be talking about Russia. Russia is trying to call a special meeting with the Geneva people about the biological things, biological weapons. Russia is alleging that the US and Ukraine are playing dirty with bio weapons. Imagine that, somebody accusing the United States of playing dirty. I I can't imagine. I mean, Russia must be losing their mind to think this country would be doing something sketchy like that. This is why I think these people are such Um, cowards, and I'll get more into the coward thing later, because their method of killing is cowardly, right? They don't walk up and have a gunfight with you. They want to come up and get you on the back or slip you some poison or some dangerous vaccines and stuff. So that's the name of their game. So it should play out to be interesting. I found a a news release on it because um, Russia just announced it like recently that they want to um, call a special special meeting and they want all these people to get together and talk about the Ukraine and the United States and these biological things. And I have a couple segments in here about it to fill you in more about it. Speaking of cowards, fascinating story. It was the murder of the most, at one point, these Osage Indians were the richest people in the entire world. Okay, And there's an author named David Ran G R A N N and his book is Killers of the Flower Moon. I highly recommend you go and learn more about this thing. It is just something else. And also, the reason I'm talking about this story today is because to me, this exemplifies what cowards are, okay? Cowards took these this Indian tribe down. A bunch of white settlers and complete cowards. Felt they didn't deserve this money and they literally murdered them to get at it. Okay, so yeah, it is, it is quite a story, just quite a story. Uh, and this author actually, in doing his research, found a whole ton of other things. So I really hope you will go and look up this David Grant. He's got, I watched a couple of his longer presentations on YouTube and it is really interesting stuff. And it shows that complete depravity, the lust for money, 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 money just rips the top of these people's heads off and gets them to do all kinds of horrific things. Did we ever see each other as something besides cash machines? I don't know. Ask yourself that question. I find this whole thing just so disturbing. Anyway, so, the Osage tribe, um, I'll just give you a tiny bit of an overview that wasn't covered necessarily in the clip I'll be playing later. Um. Between the first treaty with the United States in 1825, the Osage ceded their traditional lands across what are now Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma in the treaties of 1818 and 1825. So they have this huge piece of property and they ceded it to the United States government, okay? And they were to receive reservation lands to the west and supplies to help them adapt to farming with a more settled culture. The Saj tribes actually were the, I think, about the only Indian reservation. So they used this money from getting kicked out of that area in Oklahoma in there, and they used that to um, actually buy the land that ended up being stolen back in this whole story, okay? They got out of that first pit of land, okay? Then they were relocated to a southeast Kansas reservation called the Osage diminished reserve. The city of independence later developed there. The first Osage reservation was a 50 by 150 mile strip. The United Foreign Missionary School sent clergy to them supported by the Presbyterians, Dutch Reform, and Associated Reform churches. So what they did was they established these um, all these different missions and stuff for them. Um, But what what was interesting was this, is that during this period in Kansas, the tribe suffered from the widespread smallpox pandemic of 1837 to 1838, which caused devastating losses among the Native Americans from Canada to New Mexico. All clergy except the Catholics abandoned the Osage during the crisis. Most survivors of the epidemic had received vaccinations against the disease. I couldn't figure out if the people who also died got the vaccinations, but anyway, mute point now, right? So, yeah, it is a, um, the reason, another reason for this is because of this Osha, Osage case and all the people who were murdered from this tribe. It was the first murder trial of the FBI. and. um It really shows the level of evil that began this country, okay? It shows the level of the people that were just willing to rob and steal and kill. So you have to kind of wonder about the people that first settled here. Did they, you know, were a lot of them self selected because of evil temperament? I don't really know. Pretty big question for right this minute, though. But so anyway, so yeah, I would say, you know, how you do anything is kind of how you do everything, right? Do you see that? how cowardly this would be to take some Indians who were willing they, they moved off the first property to the next property okay and what really happened when they were in Kansas they, they, they wanted to move them again okay so the Assage tribe said okay we'll take this land in Oklahoma right because it was full of rocks and they figured well the white man's not going to want this land well lo and behold under all those rocks were, was oil So that's how the story unfolded. So because they got the oil, they got the money, all these white settlers came against them. I'm not saying that every single white settler did it, but it seems to me that it was a pretty focused attack. And keep in mind that this story picks up in the early 1900s. So we're only talking about Oh, about a hundred years ago, that this, all these murders started taking place because once they discovered that oil, all bets were off on these people's heads. So, also that shows a lot of cowardice to me too, because how they killed these people? Well, they were mainly like bombed their houses, they blew their houses up, they um, poison was used a lot. Poison is a very deadly way to kill somebody, as far as the, the, the pain they go through. So. To me, that sounds like a coward, right? When you when you have to bomb somebody's house, you have to go and sneak around and try to steal what they have. But that's an oppressive coward, if you ask me, and that's who these people are. So I'll be talking more about that later. Let me go on a rampage right this minute. <laughs> so, anyway, we're having a major show update around this place. Um, it's been a year since I've just been doing audio over on, well, audio over here, where you're listening <laughs> and no longer uploaded to YouTube. It's been a year and um, I've got a lot of changes going on and we're going to be making a major update to the show where we'll be um, the kind of shows we're going to be doing. I'll be talking about the show schedule coming down the road and at the end I'll talk about why I'm talking about Team Archie and how the show is going to shift and what my responsibility is going to be and what Archie and his team are going to be doing because it's going to completely shift. It needs to shift for my purposes because of what's going on with me. So we're going to make some shifts. So anyway, so hang in there and chat with you at the end. And hope you enjoy the show. list of the shows we will be covering um, for starters we will be doing shows on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as the shows get recorded and piled up Team Archie will be deciding on do we have Thursday so you just have to watch and see but basically to give you an idea because I'm trying to record as much as I can while I can we came up with a schedule Going to be talking about human experiments, and that will include torture, how they use music as part of the torture scene, and some different aspects of that because they've really been using us as test subjects since day one, which opens up a ton of questions. It also opens up a lot as far as who are these people as people correct because um, i'm not really sure that we're looking at people with any sense of compassion empathy or things that normally make up a person right so yeah so that's pretty intense that'll be a pretty intense show but remember we got here because of too much looking away too much of letting others take the torture while we ran as cowards right we were all cowards at one point or we wouldn't have gotten here right so let's, let's let's face up to where we are in this okay And I also believe that we need to document all this. Another segment that we'll be doing is on autism. After all of this time, all of this time, I finally have in my head what makes sense about autism. Here's the deal. Um, I've talked about autism in the past, but I've never really been in agreement that, yeah, autism is 100% vaccines. Never has made sense to me. I've also been very concerned about the off-the-charts amount of vaccines children in this country get but here I found an interesting study so the autism thing is coming into focus for me autism has been linked to a specific chemical that's used in farming and here's the deal they came up with a couple of studies that are just beyond my imagination because it's like a lot of these studies they'll say well we we looked at 12 children and this is what we found which is great I'm glad people are doing something right but these studies included a big group of children right two groups of children one group of children in France and one group of children in California both groups of children live in crops okay so here's uh, here's what I have this thought okay because there's also allegations of vaccines being in the actual excuse me autism being in the actual vaccines makes sense right they put a little autism in there to get the kids give the kids autism well how would they get that How would they get that thing to put in there to create autism? Well, here's one possibility, right? This autism around farming communities has been going on, okay? It's not new. Is it possible? I had this thought, just had to run it past you. Is it possible that they knew about this autism around these farming communities for a very long time now? It's just getting so explosive that people are doing studies on it. So did they know this? from when people started complaining possibly years ago and noticing the high level of autistic children around farming communities. Well, possibly they would have known this, right? Because these are big, huge (laughs) we're only talking about a couple major offenders in this deal, so yeah, I would have to say, and remember I wasn't there, you weren't there, I'm just guessing, right? I would have to say there's a pretty good possibility that one of these mega monstrously huge corporations knew that their product was in fact giving children autism so what would be to stop them from taking that one chemical and putting that into certain vaccines right because vaccines and all medical things get sold by lots okay they control them by lot numbers it would not be very complicated to put whatever that element is that triggers autism into lots of vaccines lot numbers of vaccines that get distributed to oh let's say poor communities right So, yeah, so there's lots of ways that an additional additive could be added to a vaccine. I mean, I don't know, I'm not a criminal, but I could think of a bunch of them. So, yeah, so um, there's a a pretty big opening here to take a look at this. If I were to guess right now, I'd say, yeah, probably they figured this crop chemical thing out, popped it into some vaccines on regional basis, and boom, you got an explosion of autistic kids. And also autism is about money, so yeah, a lot to unwind there. Another thing I'll be talking about is the IVF and surrogates rules. I'm finally ready to talk about that. Quite a deal. Quite a deal. How did the United States get to become the gold standard for IVF and surrogates? Well, by lying and cheating. And lots of things to go over there. California is considered the premier market for that. Why? Well, they rigged the laws so ferociously. They've done things like, for example, they get surrogate mothers to the courts allow the unborn baby being carried by surrogate mother to get their birth certificate pre-birth. You hear me say that? They're assigning birth certificates before the surrogate mother even delivers that baby. Well, Why are they doing that? Well a bunch of slimy reasons because probably makes it much harder if that mother were to change her mind. Let's say she finds out the people she was giving the baby up to were all lunatics for some valid reason Well, it would probably make it through the courts impossible because the birth certificate was already issued. So, yeah, the whole IVF and surrogate thing, you'll probably hear me very charged up in that episode, probably swearing a little bit. Yeah, it is, I would have to say, and I'll start swearing now, it is a fucking nightmare. And I don't know what else to say about it, okay? Just a fucking nightmare. Next on the agenda, and and what's going to happen is I'm going to just be recording these shows, and Archie's group will be deciding when to put them into here because obviously they're going to be having to break up some of these shows into segments. So, another segment Ghost Workers. Have you ever wondered about how A1 works? Well, I'm looking more into the mafia, also known as Silicon Valley. Yeah, A1 and this whole Ghost Worker deal absolutely. Horrifying, okay? Horrifying. You know, I had no idea how, well, I I had a general idea of how A1 works, so I thought, well, let's look into it and we could all see. So, you know, there's people running this thing, and that's that's, that's the dreadful part of this thing, right? Found an excellent clip of one of the CEOs bragging about the abuse. Anyway, so, okay. Africa, going back to Africa. I've done a lot of shows about Africa, just look in the headlines. Found some interesting things about Africa. How did Italy start working with the Chinese to screw Africa with tomatoes? <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy story, okay? Also, out of Africa, where's all this gold coming from? I have talked before about diamonds, which I'm sure are fake, but what about gold, okay? Just as an overview 70% of gold bars go from Africa directly to Switzerland, where they get packaged, cleaned up, and the source is hidden. Okay. 20% are from Dubai. And they also come out of Africa. And I'm just giving you an overview. I'm not, I haven't written these shows yet. So anyway, I just have the outlines done. So, so what's going on? We got 90% of the gold coming out of Africa is going into Switzerland and into Dubai it is very dirty gold and I'll explain exactly why um so yeah so in Africa we've got the gold deal Africa is going to be a bunch of segments so anyway because they're all lurking around Africa right now okay why because they're getting their teeth set to rob it they've already been robbing it so anyway so what's going on with some of these things which I found just amazing with like the tomato deal. People in China don't eat tomatoes, okay? They got this Italian deal going with the Chinese and tomatoes and then they then they contaminate the tomatoes, And the contaminated ones they sell to Africa and that wiped out the local African businesses. I mean just the thing about tomatoes alone, it's just mind-boggling what they're doing in Africa. So yeah, so um, why are they doing this? Well, because they're moving some of the processes of these things to Africa once they're leaving china i'm not trying to say too much here so they're 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 actually finding that labor is getting too expensive in china and they're shifting some of this to africa just sit on that one okay so anyways also what's going on in africa is the experiments on humans in africa Um, i call them pinprick countries there's countries around the world that pharmaceutical companies test their drugs on like for example they may go into a country and they're testing, uh, let's say, diabetes medicine, okay? Well, they do these tests. They pay the local people some money to come and take the test to see if, I don't if the drugs kill them immediately or I don't know. So anyways, because they have to have these statistics to lie to us, right? And it doesn't matter if the people necessarily have diabetes or not to, to be part of this test, okay? Because they just want the numbers. And, of course, they pay better in the beginning and then they get a lot of people to come and get these tests and stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a it's a horrifically um, abusive and there's words for it and there's trade-offs that countries make to allow these tests that I'd like to get into more about. Okay, um, food. Just an overview about our food production as far as what's going on. The toxicity of the food and um, what they're doing in places like Hawaii. Hawaii Hawaii was stolen in the 1800s and hopefully I'll squeeze in a show about Hawaii. Hawaii was stolen by these people in the 1800s and now in Hawaii it's there's parts of it that are divided up between the chemical companies and what they're doing over there is they're um, developing the GMOs and stuff and what they can do is they can produce they're doing these monster seeds and stuff, they can produce twice the amount with half, twice the amount Or twice the profit, twice the amount, half the nutritional value, something like that. But anyway, so yeah, a lot going on in Hawaii. Um, Yeah, I mean these people are just trashing the entire world. So yeah, so Hawaiians don't own Hawaii, these people technically do. So yeah, there's a lot going on. And you know, the toxic food production is going on all over the world. So obviously I'm not going to be covering every country. I'm just trying to hit the most, the ones that are the most significant. How about that? So that looks like that will be our schedule coming up. How they're going to work, Archie, and then we're going to work this into the programming, I don't really know. We'll have shows Tuesdays, 9 a.m., so just tune in. The Russian Ministry of Defense announced that Moscow had called for a meeting of the member states of the Geneva Convention for the prohibition of biological weapons to discuss the issue of non-compliance by the United States and Ukraine with the aforementioned international treaty. This is, I'm recording this on September of 2022 so Russia asked for this and what did it have to say they asked for this treaty and I'd like to remind you first that around October November of 2019 there was a big um, military it's called the the Wuhan military games which took place in Wuhan China about 2019 you'll find the um, Wuhan March on YouTube. Okay, so that Wuhan Chinese March happened 2019. They were all, every country was there represented, okay? They were all marching around, singing, dancing, highly, highly choreographed thing that took years to produce. I believe that was their announcement for their New World Order. So, then moving forward, then the stuff started with Wuhan and the suspicions over the bat stuff and all that nonsense and then um, at one point China kicked back, and they said if anybody came up with this um, virus, it was the U.S. military out of Fort Detrick because they said, well, the Fort Detrick people were also at the Wuhan military games march, okay? So China was kicking back, allegedly, or maybe part of the deception, right? China was kicking back, saying, hey, stop blaming us. Go look at Fort Detrick. So that happened then, okay? So China was trying to blame the United States. Well, I I think. (laughs) I would guess it was the United States also. But anyway, so that went back and forth. But of course, everybody seemed to miss that part of it, and people still want to point at China. Of course, that's how it works, right? Okay, so let me read a little bit more about this Russian press release that just came out announcing this new deal. It said, let me go up here, um... It announced that it wants to have a meeting about that's going to be coming up and what else did they say here? The meeting will take place next week so that would be the week of the 5th or 6th or something at the initiative of Russia during which documented evidence of violations by the United States and Ukraine of Articles 1 and 4 of the treaty will be presented. This was quoted by Sputnik the original PR group. They quoted the commander of the ministry's radiological, chemical, and biological protection forces. So this person named Krilov urged the organizations responsible for implementing the treaty and the international community to pay attention to a number of biological threats, the most important of which is what is happening near the borders of Russia where there are more than 50 laboratories that have been modernized by the United States and are under the supervision of the U.S. Department of Defense, the Pentagon, paid for by U.S. tax dollars. I just added that part. (laughs) Explaining that according to documents issued, there were documents that were issued about the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the U.S. Department of Defense supervises, oh, they said that the U.S. Department of Defense supervises 336 biological laboratories in 30 countries around the world. Good to know. Probably coordinated out of Fort Detrick. I added that part. Anyways, uh, Kritov pointed out that the activities of these laboratories were accompanied by a deterioration of the epidemiological situation in addition to the emergence of atypical infectious diseases in certain regions. They're saying that things are happening in certain regions. This Krilov person revealed that the United States transferred experiments of a dangerous vaccine to Ukraine in 2005, indicating that the Russian defense military had the evidence for this. So they have evidence that the U.S. transferred some dangerous vaccines to Ukraine in 2005 as part of their allegations. Krilov went on to say, We have another document at our disposal related to the tests of the Tula vaccine developed by the Walter Reed Institute for infectious disease research in the US Army excuse me, in the US Army in 2004 and on the United States Army and during experiments with 1,064 people health complications were recorded in 468 cases so they're alleging that they were testing these things with a high group of problems. And this explains the fact that such studies, high risk, have been transferred beyond national borders and this is evidenced by the agreement signed on August the 29th, 2005, after a year of these studies between the Ministry of Health of Ukraine and the U.S. Department of Defense. What they're getting to here, I am really not that clear because I'm having kind of a hard time um, following their train of thought here, but basically they're saying they have some evidence for 2005. In a related context, Krivlov confirmed the transfer of more than 1,000 containers containing anthrax and cholera pathogens last February to the United States from Odessa, Ukraine, where they were being stored. Oh, that's good to know. So they sent 1,000 containers containing anthrax and cholera to the United States from Ukraine. Uh, Good to know they're here and safe and sound, right? He pointed out that according to the procedure for examining the group of strains of microorganisms at the Mekanov Institute, six hundred and fifty four containers for anthrax and four hundred and twenty two containers for cholera were stored in Odessa. And the documents indicate that there is no need to keep a large number of test tubes with the same strains at the same time. At the same time the labels and accumulation of data. You know, they're wondering why they have so many containers, which, yeah, I, I'm wondering about that too. It raises questions about the prevention or peaceful nature of the activities that are being implemented. Pointing out that the testimony of one of the Institute's employees indicates that the group was transferred to the United States last February. I'm kind of confusing evidence, but I think I'm following the trail here. So, God, I'm sending some dangerous pathogens. Surprise, surprise, right? Krivlov stressed that in 2010, Russia had recorded an increase in the incidence of brucellosis, a Crimean Congo fever, West Nile fever, and African swine fever in the region's bordering Ukraine. Krivlov indicated that the U.S. Department of Defense is working to transfer incomplete biological weapon programs from Ukraine. I guess the general idea is get them out of the war zone or fake war zone or whatever. Biological laboratories through which biological weapons components can be manufactured in store possesses a threat to Russia's military security. Not to mention the whole rest of the world, right? On the other hand, Krivlov said, we have confirmed evidence that Ukraine asked the Turkish company bayrakar that's B-A-Y-R-A-K-T-A-R, In December 2021, to supply Ukraine drones with biological weapons, spraying machines that operate with aerosol spray with a capacity of more... than. Okay, so now this Kriblov person is saying that this company called Byorkov, in December 2021, they wanted to hire Ukrainian drones to spill out these biological weapons. Well, that's all pretty interesting stuff, right? We'll have to see how all this plays out. And the blame game continues. How much of this is real? How much is cooked up? Well, hard to tell, right? Um, The Biological Weapons Convention, also known as the BWC, is a disarmament treaty that effectively bans, this is what they're bringing up, This, I believe it's this particular convention, It's the disarmament treaty that effectively bans biological and toxin weapons by prohibiting their development, production, acquisition, transfer, stockpiling, and use. The treaty's full name is the Convention on the Prohibition of the Development, Production, and Stockpiling of Bacterial, Biological, and Toxin Weapons and their Destruction. Well, that horse has certainly left the barn, hasn't it? <laughs> I think that uh, well, it seems like this is a uh, something they put into play while they were actually cooking up more of these toxins. If you ask me. Having entered into force on the 26th of March, 1975, the BWC, also known as the Biological Weapons Convention, and I think they're part of the Geneva Convention, but I'm a little bit ignorant on this subject, trying to sort this out right now. so. The BWC was the first multilateral disarmament treaty to ban the production of an entire category of weapons of mass destruction. Boy, that's good to know. That happened on 26th of March, 1975. You can thank the BWC. The convention is also of unlimited duration. As of February 2022, 184 states have become party to the treaty. Four additional states have signed but not ratified the treaty, and another nine states have neither signed nor ascended to the treaty, and I will be looking up those states and seeing who, who are the ones that have it signed. The BWC is considered to establish a strong global norm against biological weapons. This norm is reflected in the treaty's preamble, which states that the use of biological weapons would be repugnant to the conscience of mankind it is also just demonstrated by the fact that not a single state today declares to possess or seek biological weapons or asserts that their use in war is legitimate. So it looks like everybody has agreed and they're saying that they do not want to possess or seek or use biological weapons in war. Huh? In light of the rapid advances in biotechnology, biodefense expert Daniel Gerstein has described the BWC as the most important arms control treaty of the 21st century. However, the convention's effectiveness has been limited due to insufficient institutional support and the absence of any formal verification regime to monitor compliance. <laughs> well, gee, they write up all these things. and <laughs> Nothing to make it, nothing to uh, put any teeth into it, right? So, yeah, that's about it. Uh, Let me tell you just a little bit about the Geneva Conference because I had to refresh my fading memory here, okay? The Geneva Conventions are four treaties and three additional protocols that establish international legal standards for humanitarian treatment in war. The singular term Geneva Convention usually denotes the agreements of 1949 negotiated in the aftermath of the Second World War 1939 to 1945 which updated the terms of the two 1929 treaties and added two new conventions the Geneva Conventions extensively define the basic rights of wartime prisoners civilians, and military personnel, establishes protection for the wounded and sick, and provided protections for the civilians in and around a war zone. Moreover, the Geneva Convention also defines the rights and protections afforded to non-combatants. The treaties of 1949 were ratified in their entirety or with reservations by 196 countries. The Geneva Conventions concern only prisoners and non-combatants in war. They do not address the use of weapons of war, which are instead addressed by the Hague Convention. The Hague Convention had two conventions, 1899 and 1907, which concern conventional weapons, and the Geneva Protocol, which concerns biological, and chemical warfare. So you're looking for the Geneva Protocol, okay? So it all basically got started by the Red Cross because they said a Swiss businessman, Henry Dunant, and I've talked about him in the past, went to visit wounded soldiers in 1859. He was shocked by the lack of facilities, personnel, and medical aid to help these soldiers. As a result, he published his book, A Memory of Saufrain, in 1862, on the horrors of war. So yeah, this was the person that started the Red Cross, and of course it is in Switzerland, and here again, where are we kids? We're around the middle 1800s, right? It's so, like, not much seemed to exist before this time, no, did it? So yeah, that's the deal on the Geneva Convention. My belief, I wasn't there, you weren't there, none of us were there, that a lot of these rules get made up. They certainly give us a distinct impression that things are under control, right? That there are things being managed that people are watching out for our best interests. Well, what do I always say, kids? Evil has to come packaged as help. Simple as that. Cruised around the um, Russian search engine. It's a good place to look if you're ever hunting around for things. It's Yandex, y-a-n-d-e-x.com, and uh, sometimes we'll have things there that I don't see on other places. But anyway, so here's the deal. Um, actually, Russia in March was making other allegations as far as the lab stuff. So let me document this. <clears throat> this was in March of 2022. Let me see here. Russia, officially. Um, Russia asked a U.N. Security Council meeting, R- Russia asks for a U.S. Security Council meeting over Ukraine's bio labs. Moscow claims Washington has funded and curated alleged bioweapon programs in Ukraine. The article goes on to say and this is from RT which is the Russian news thing Russia has called for a UN Security Council meeting to discuss but now they're talking about the Geneva thing I was just talking about but anyway let me go on here they've called for a UN Security Council meeting to discuss purported US backing biological weapons programs in Ukraine Washington has denied that it owns or operates any such biolabs in the country, while Kiev insists that the facilities were engaged only in civilian research. So U.S. is saying no, Kiev is saying, well, yeah, just certain research. Civilian research, right? Moscow's Deputy U.N. Envoy, Dmitry Poriratsky, Announced the move early on Friday, saying the mission had requested a Security Council summit for March the 11th. I don't know how that went on, but they're rattling it up again. The military briefing went on to claim that the Pentagon's Defense Threat Reduction Agency is financing and conducting military biological research in the terito- on the territory of Ukraine. Citing documents, it said it captured, by, it captured at several facilities during Russia's ongoing attack on the country. Among other activities, the Ministry said research was carried out at laboratories in Kyiv, Kalav, and Odessa to study the possibility of the spread of particularly dangerous infections through migrating birds. Washington, however, has rejected those charges was State Department spokesperson Ned Price telling reporters on Wednesday that the US is in full compliance with its obligations under the chemical weapons convention and biological weapons convention. And it, the US does not develop or possess such weapons anywhere. Instead, Price argued it was Russia that had been operating active chemical and biological weapons programs though he did not elaborate or provide evidence on the counter-accusation. Other US officials have offered varying responses to Russia's claims. Under Secretary of State for Political Affairs, Victoria Nuland, for example, told lawmakers on Tuesday that Ukraine does, in fact, have biological research facilities voicing concerns that Russian forces may be seeking to gain control of hazardous materials from those labs. She stopped short of confirming any American role in the facilities, however, and did not go into details about what kind of work had been done." (laughs) So the US is saying that Ukraine does have research facilities, okay? Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, that little tiny woman, has also weighed in on the issue, saying that any biolabs in his country have no military dimension and are focused on civilian science. He claimed that most of the facilities have been around since the Soviet era. Neither chemical weapons nor other weapons of mass destruction are being developed on our soil, he said on Friday. Well, what do you think? You think they're lying or telling the truth, kids? I say that this is a very convenient way of saying that we didn't do it, we're not doing it, we're not going to do it, when in fact they're already doing it, right? That's my view on it, so think for yourself. What do you think? Who do you think has all the bioweapons? I would have to guess that there's got to be somebody in charge of all these bioweapons, right? Somebody somebody in this group of elites is the one pulling the trigger on the bioweapon. And it looks to me, we're looking between the U.S., Russia and Ukraine, right? Kind of makes a lot of sense about all the stuff in that area because really what's Ukraine about? It's about they had success for many years taking money from US taxpayers and pumping it into Afghanistan to get all that poppy money, right? So to me it looks like Ukraine is nothing more than the next convenient place to funnel US tax dollars through Ukraine and directly into the, let me guess, City of London. Ding, ding, ding. What exactly is a coward? What's a sadist? I have thought for a very long time, because part of my work has been to try to identify what are some of the characteristics of these people. And I remember a few years ago, um, in one of the shows, can't even remember when, but I was discussing the relationship between psychopaths and sadism and psychopaths and pedophilia. And at the time I was going through all the known literature to see what they had to say about it. Well, according to the medical things just going from memory here, according to the medical, the DSM-5, they seem to think that pedophiles were a um, you know, disgruntled, drunk, stepdad type personality. Nothing to do with much evil. So, I have to say, and this is my view, and I'll give you a few things here to think about for yourself. I think psychopaths are both sadistic, and I also think they are cowards. What's a coward? Coward's a person who lacks the courage to do or endure dangerous or unpleasant things. Why do I think they're a coward? Well, because look at their profile. And I will leave that up to you as I move on to these other shows as far as the experimentation and all the things they've subjected us to through all this time. Other words for cowards would be things like weakling, namby-pamby, mouse, poltroon. Poltroon means an utter coward. So you would say, like, come on, you poltroons. Also known as craven, recreant, and caitiff. Caitiff is interesting. C A T I F F. That means, under the word coward, that means despicable, mean, and cowardly. I'll be playing a clip today about the Osage Indians. It's the case that I found just riveting to this point that I'm still looking at clips about it, I would encourage you to go look more at it yourself. It shows what I've been talking about for the longest time, how people in groups can do some horrific things and all become a group of cowards together, right? I try not to be a coward myself and I've had a lot of influence of people trying to get me to get into the coward lane. I think in a meaningful and um, in a um, caring way. I'm not saying that anybody wanted me to be a coward to be mean about it, but a lot of people have given me advice about things I've talked about before. You know when I was writing my book they say things like, well maybe you should write under a pen name. Well why wouldn't I use my own name? Well because they might come out and get you. And when I started saying that Robert Hare, the lead psychopath, or excuse me, the lead researcher (laughs) is a psychopath, people say, well Bob Hare might get you. Well okay then let's cross that bridge we get it because I'm not a coward and what I'm stating is a fact so I'm not gonna run for the facts, right? Now of course we've all behaved cowardly at times. I think leading up to all of the things that we're into now, I think that all of us collectively had to have been a bunch of cowards to allow these losers to ride roughshod over us. Why, why do I think they're cowards? Well look at the history. They, they do sneaky experiments on us, they lie to us, they try to murder the women and children before just about anybody else. To me, that looks like a coward. But of course you're going to have to decide for yourself. And what, What's a sadist? A sadist is a person who enjoys causing pain and suffering in other people. Sadism is the act of deliberately inflicting distress on others for the sake of entertainment or pleasure. The term came from sadism an 18th century French, from an 18th century French nobleman, the Marquis de Sade, S-A-D-E. His writings were renowned for excessively violent, cruel, profane, and degrading sexuality. Over time, the definition of sadism has become more general and modern references to sadists and sadism typically occur without implying sexuality. The terms are often applied in an exaggerated way to people or situations to which those labels don't meaningfully fit. Today, referring to someone as a sadist usually means that, scroll down here, that person is carelessly inflicting some type of misery on others. So, we're not really talking about the sadistic sexual act of all this, okay? But historically, the term sadism was a reference to a particular psychological condition in which a person derives exotic pleasure from inflicting pain on others. This definition relates to Desade's fondness for violent sexuality and purposeful evil. The complementary term masochism denotes a link between receiving abuse and sexual gratification. The combination of the terms sadomasochism refers to the practice of those who seek out extreme forms of personal abuse for pleasure. I believe, and this is just my belief, I believe that we're looking at some sadistic cowards. Cowards. They have to pull their stunts and their acts out on the most vulnerable. They can't pick on somebody their own side. Yes, psychopaths, I'm calling you cowards and sadists. You're such a piles of crap that you can't even pick on somebody your own side. To me, that is a coward. What does it mean to you kids? I think it's a sadistic coward and that's why I think that you know how they allow people to talk about them and you know put the real news out there like some of these documentaries will talk about what really happened during these eras and you know in in a lot of cases they're generally telling the truth, right? Well why would these people allow people to tell us these evil things they would really done? They could easily get rid of them right they could stop these stories from happening so i have to ask you is part of controlled opposition in other words telling us some of these real horror stories is some of that a sadistic act on their part do they get joy out of seeing that oh so and so did a documentary on 50 million children getting murdered in china let's say that okay do they derive some sort of joy out of that is what i'm asking So is that possibly the reason why they let certain information out there because it puffs them up, makes them feel less like a coward and more like a powerful person? For psychopaths, it is 100% about control. So it could be several different elements, but I have to say, I think they are sadistic cowards. They can't do it to our faces, they have to use chemical warfare against us, they have to rig up our smart boxes, they have to play all kinds of sneaky tricks drop poisons from the sky, cripple people with their medicines and stuff. That sounds sadistic to me. And it also sounds like something a coward would do. If I'm going to come after you, I will come after you in the front. I'm will not. i not a backstabber. These people are backstabbers, okay? And that's exactly how cowards and sadists operate. And that's who we're looking at. So be careful, kids. It's not going to be an easy ride out there because we're dealing with some And remember, what they have to do, because there's so many of them at the top, right? It's a self selection process. They find people who model this behavior to join them in their cowardly acts. It is completely having to do with disjointing us from each other. People don't reach out to other people as people, what they see them at as a price tag on their heads, some way they can gain from them, and they have become many psychopaths modeling this sadistic cowardly attitude stealing from old people because they can get away with it that is a coward and also somebody who must they absolutely enjoy the pain they inflict on others so that's my thoughts for the day kids i think they're cowards and they're sadists the place i long to be where the
2: air is wild and free it's a haven just for me I can let my hair down and be me, just a smile for a start, and it only takes a spark to begin the fire in your heart, wouldn't you agree? Hello listener, this is Achi, I hope you are enjoying the show. We would like you to consider supporting us, so as to keep giving you interesting contents. Take your time out to check out the support page on the website and please consider making a kind donation. We would appreciate any little support.
1: Thank you.
3: It was theirs. By virtue of fee simple, the Osage tribe owned clear title to their entire reservation. The Osage, unlike other tribes, Bought their home in Indian Territory and moved to what would become Osage County in Oklahoma. They hoped their new home would have nothing the white man would ever want. The land was owned collectively by the Osage, an idea foreign to whites, whose attitude was those savage Indians should divide the land. Each tribal member would be worth more than ten times the average American citizen. But the Osage saw more value in a place all Osages could call home. The discovery of black gold changed everything. Oil was discovered in the 1890s, but the real boom didn't start until the 1910s and 20s. The Osage Alamin Act of 1906 forced the tribe to divide their land with each Osage citizen receiving an equal share. The mineral rights, everything under the ground, would remain held in common by the Osage. The royalties paid to extract minerals was divided among 2,229 head rights, one head right for each enrolled Osage. The Osage enrollment was closed, and there would only be 2,229 head rights.
4: You have to remember that The uh, oil and gas reserve helped fuel the fires of World War I in the United States. And they paid royalties for this, this, the privilege of, of extracting this oil and gas. And this royalty was paid to the Osages. And so these people supposedly became the richest people in the world per capita.
3: Not surprisingly, the Osages enjoyed their money. New cars. Building fine homes. Decorated in the latest style and traveling to exotic locations. The Osage became the envy of the world. Major publications of the era printed articles on those rich Indians. The richest people in the world. The public perception generated by the publicity fueled the fires of racism and greed.
2: What they're doing is... They're, 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 they're making fun of the OSH and the use of their money. They're also saying, look, they don't deserve it, and they're wasting it. And that's the two, two messages that come across. This is going against the, the, the Puritan work ethics. You work hard and make money. Here are people who are not doing anything, and they have unbelievable wealth. And so they're, they're, you're creating kind of this, this, this atmosphere or this, this idea that somehow or another, taking money from the Osages, Osage is not wrong.
5: It was just a, it was a reign of terror. That's what they called it. There was no other way to describe it. If you were an Osage and you had money and you were full blood, uh, you might as well have been walking around with a target on you. Everybody in their world descended into this area to try to find every possible way to separate the Osage from their money.
3: No one in government at the time believed Indians of any tribe could manage their own affairs. Because of this racist belief, the Federal Indian Service would hold in trust the assets of individual Indians, including the Osage. Guardians were appointed and had complete control over individual Indian assets.
4: I think, that, like I say, I think there's a minor been a very nice little cottage industry of certain people, lawyers, who were guardians of people, and and when I say people, more than one, they were the guardian of more than one person. And they charge a pretty nice little fee to do this. And they probably, I don't know whether they got wealthy or not, but they certainly didn't hurt their bottom line any at all.
3: Many guardians with Osage wards took advantage of their position to separate the Osage from their money,
2: many of the whites who live in Osage County attempt to exploit the Osage. It permeates all levels of Osage. There are, there are bootleggers, there are prostitutes, there are gamblers, there are burglars, there are rustlers, there are there are armed robbers. They go out. all of these people victimize the, the Osage. But they're not the only ones. The merchants have, create a two-tier pricing level, tr- uh, charging the Osage more than they're charging non-Osage customers. It's not, remember, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not racist. It's, it's Osage.
5: Name was Wake and Iron. Uh, he was my grandfather's brother. And uh, therefore, he was my grandfather. And he treated me like a grandson. And the uh, money was. Loaned to an entrepreneur from his account at the Osage Agency. Today we call it uh, what IIM accounts, individual Indian money accounts. Um, and he his money was just loaned to the local entrepreneur and they built the hotel. And then he, um, at some point, was paid 10% of what was owed him. Uh, they did that through a uh, what did they call it? bankruptcy a bankruptcy hearing where, where uh, he wasn't well represented he didn't know about it until after the whole thing was over and done with and and then the guy that built the hotel then sold the hotel to his brother for the ten percent uh, equal equal to ten percent and then it through a circle of transactions it came back to the original scam artist who ended up owning the hotel um. And uh, it, it was kind of a funny story. One time, my, my grandfather he he uh, told me he wanted to show me something. So he drove me downtown in Pahuska in front of the hotel, and he stopped out in the middle of the street. And he he had arthritis, so he could he could drive well, but he had he had trouble pointing. But he pointed up to this window, and he said, "You see that window up there, the third floor, and the second window over, something like that." And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well." In the end, that man who scammed me out of the money, he didn't use the word scam, but he said the man that uh, did him out of the money uh, committed suicide. He took the big jump from that third floor window and landed on the sidewalk below. And then he said, uh, but I'm still here. And so he, he felt that, um, um, and, and he was a very philosophical man. He's a very good man. And uh, to him, there was no trade-off there. He. He simply got the better of the deal. He, he lost some money in it, but he had a be- much better life than that man who, uh, who was a scam artist.
3: One all too common scheme was to marry an Osage head right holder. Upon an untimely death, the spouse would inherit unimaginable riches.
4: Okay, about my grandfather. He died at an early age. He died, he was 29. Um, Supposedly, he died of poison whiskey. Uh, He came home one evening, laid down on a couch, and never woke up. Um, Supposedly, people told me years later, and this is probably secondhand information, that he was drinking uh, or had some drinks with some other people. One of those people was Kelsey Morrison. It seemed to me that nobody else in that crowd, maybe it was just Kelsey Morrison by himself, Nobody else in that crowd I ever heard of ever got sick from drinking that whiskey. Um, but Kelson Morrison was a bootlegger. He's known bootlegger. Convicted bootlegger. Uh, there's a case called United States versus Morrison. Um, he's convicted of bootlegging whiskey on the old Pasca Road. Um, purpose was for him to benefit uh, with my grandfather's death of him either getting uh, some. Headright money, or my granddad's wife, Tilly Powell, getting the headright money, and Kelsey would benefit from it because on Tilly's tombstone it says, "Tilly Powell, wife of Kelsey Morrison." The Osages at that time knew somebody was killing them off; but they didn't know who it was, and they. Um... Uh, they they tell me they would you know they would leave their lights on they'd put lights around their yards and they would uh, try to get dogs and some people hired guards and things like this because they were really scared uh, with good reason. Local law
3: enforcement was of no use to the Osage. The sheriff allegedly ran a brothel out of his jail. The Osage tribal council knew they had to do something and hired the newly formed FBI to investigate. The FBI determined a local banker, Bill Hale and his nephews, were responsible for many deaths. But to convict Hale, they focused on only one of his murder schemes.
5: Hale was not a smart criminal. Uh, he, was, he was simply brutal. And, and given the, 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 uh, the way society was up there during, during those days, Uh, He didn't have to be he didn't have to cover his tracks or he didn't have to uh, uh, You know, you know take any precautions because he was going to catch him who was going to who was going to testify against him
4: They called it the reign of terror because you didn't know who where it was gonna strike next You don't know whose house was gonna be blown up next. You didn't know who was gonna be killed next. You didn't know who was gonna be shot next No No, they didn't have to kill us for the money if they'd have hung around long enough, we'd have given it to them. We do that today.
3: The current generation of Osage feels that the money was the least important of their losses. The knowledge of traditions and ceremonies could not be passed down as it had for centuries. The deaths of so many loved ones created a hole in the cosmos of Osage culture, a hole that can never be filled.
5: And I think every Osage knows all of these stories that I know, and and it's all in. All the families have stories. All of the families have tragedies, and all of the families have account of being taken advantage of. and And uh, uh, it, it's just it's a part of our history now, and and hopefully uh, we're making progress that uh, of not being victims any longer. We we hope that that over a period of time that that we. Uh, we we you know we're, we, we become uh, as strong a group of people as we ever were.
1: Let's talk about toilet flushing. Do you want to be able to flush your toilet <laughs> or be like Mississippi? Hey, here's the deal. Um, I'd like to share with you what I've been thinking about because you know, I have handicap issues so I have to think about certain things coming ahead because I have mobility issues so here's the deal the best way to go is to get a bidet and you can get a fairly inexpensive one $30-$40 range that it's a plastic thing that fits like under your toilet seat right? and um, if you've got one already I say great for you okay But if you haven't gotten one already, I would recommend that you get the one that's like $10 more and it has hot and cold capabilities and it's more of a sprayer nozzle. And the reason you want one of those is because it doesn't attach under your seat. It's the same process, but it doesn't attach under your seat. So you'll find it much more useful in the days to come. But here's the deal, because those plastic ones, there's too many plastic parts that can break off and stuff. So you want something just a little bit more stable for the day. So, the whole idea for the bidet is to cut back on toilet paper and also a whole lot cleaner, right? So, okay, so let's say that water gets cut off. So, how exactly, what exactly is the plan to flush the toilet, right? Because you don't have water. Well, that means if you don't have water in your toilet, that also means that your bidet is not going to work because it needs water. So, what's the plan? Well, You don't want to switch back to toilet paper because if you switch back to toilet paper, that means that you're now going to have to be flushing your toilet more often, right? So it all kind of goes hand in hand. So you don't want to switch back to toilet paper. So what exactly do you do? Well, what I would suggest doing is you get a portable bidet. What you're looking for is you just look up portable bidet and you're looking for one that's like 600 millimeters big. And the portable bidet, I would suggest you get two of them. They're about $10 a piece. The reason you want two is because you could use one as a bidet and you could use one as a handheld shower. Well, where are you going to get this water from to flush your toilet, you're asking? Well, you should be storing water in any location you can right now. Stack bottles of water in every cubby hole you've got drinking water, right? But you also want to be storing water to flush your toilet. Well, the most obvious place to get that water from would be to fill your bathtub. The minute you hear that something's going on, get that bathtub filled and those sinks filled. Because your bathtub could hold about a hundred gallons of water, which is a great amount of water compared to, you know, no other means to store it, right? If you don't have tanks and stuff in your house, which none of us have. So, fill up your bathtub. That'll give you 100 gallons of water right there, which you could very easily use to flush your toilet. with. see how this could become pretty simple if you if you let it be, right? So, then um because some of the prepper geniuses were saying, well, if you run out of toilet, if you run out of water for your toilet, then just put your toilet paper in other uh, no, no, no. I'm not going to go in any of those directions, okay? I don't want to be storing use toilet paper in my house. Okay, so anyway, so some people may want to be more efficient as far as storing the water in the bathtub. Well, there's something called a water bob, water bob, B-O-B, and you can get it on Amazon. I think they're about thirty-four dollars or something like that, including free shipping. And what the water bob does is it's a big plastic-like bag that you put in your bathtub. So you fill the water bob up And you can, and it has like a spigot thing so you can pull the water out of it. So, you could use a water bulb. My plan is I'm just going to fill up my bathtub and, you know, put the water over to my toilet which is right next to my bathtub, so. But you could use a water bulb if you were going to use the water for drinking because it will protect the water. It will protect over 100 gallons of water for you. So just think about that because You don't want to be storing used toilet paper, you don't want to have to go back to using a lot of toilet paper, and this could solve a pretty big issue. message was this week with um, Josephine Biden standing in front of that creepy backdrop. This was a quote that I found amusing, it said, the stage's backdrop looked more like the demonic spawn pool of Satan rather than the patriotic birthplace of our republic. Huh. Well, what's the opposite of being a coward? I would say it's showing courage. Courage could also be called bravery or valor. It's the choice and willingness to confront agony, pain, danger, uncertainty, or intimidation. Valor is courage or bravery, especially in battle. Physical courage is bravery in the face of physical pain, hardship, even death, or or threat of death while moral courage is the ability to act rightly in the face of popular opposition, shame, scandal, discouragement, or personal loss. The classic virtue of fortitude, fortitude is also translated courage, but includes the aspects of perseverance and patience. Confucius says, To see the right and not to do it is cowardice, to see the right and not to do it is cowardice. Inaction can breed doubt and fear, action breeds confidence and courage. What are we here for? What are we here for? I'll just share part of a the conversation that I have more to say here in closing because Archie and I have been talking, we were talking back and forth because our next show after this, well maybe this one, maybe the next one, I don't know, is going to be about experiments, but in this case we were talking about the experiment show. And um, I real- I realized there weren't funds to cover that show and I told him that we would probably be postponing it. Now just to put a little bit in context, I have worked on this one job site since the beginning to have help with recordings and all of the things put into put into a show, and the virus put a lot of kids onto the job site when it hit and their schools were shut down and this is where I met Archie um, and he is a college student, and he, after our conversation, he asked that if he and a couple of his college friends could also continue to do this work so. It's been a struggle for me. I'm not going to drag all through this. So here was our conversation. Let me just read it to you instead of trying to explain it all. He said, so he responded and said, I'll keep doing that for free until we can get help. I'll get a couple of my friends to help out so we can get this stuff recorded. So I said, that's very generous of you, but I don't know if we will get more help. The reason I stop now is because it looks like no more help. So we have so many shows to do on just that experiments part that that show can go on for several episodes. It's hard to quit, but I need to protect you at this point. If we can figure out how to get you more work from others to get more income, that will help. Now I need to focus on getting you prepared for what is to come. I'm worried about you not having enough supplies. You are not just some kids from Nigeria to me. I will be here for you and we'll figure this out. But you need to gather as much as you need to get prepared. So perhaps that is where we should focus, to get more actual work that will help you for the future. Because I can't rely on being able to help you. Maybe a miracle is headed our way. But until then, I need to get you prepared. Think it over and let me know. I will do as you suggest. These are just some ideas. The decision is yours to make. I think we should focus on getting you prepared, but let me know what you think we should do. Do we just stop and not say anything else? I'm not well enough for a decision now, so we'll leave it up to you to figure it out. For 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 us, I can't think. I need you to think about our next step. He answered and said, I would still insist that we keep doing the show. I'll work for free until we can get help or until a miracle happens. And I said... You're making me cry. I want to record all I know while I still can. I'm an old lady. I've been at this since 1994. Everyone thought I was crazy for saying we're surrounded by psychopaths. Many people, really frankly, still see me as crazy. I, however, see normal as overrated, and I never agreed, okay? My system is shutting down. I just want to record what I know while I still can. Please help me if you can. A hundred percent of the donations go to Archie. I cover the audio fees and all that. I need him and his friends who are helping this work to get prepared and show solidarity. If in the end we had gravestones, what would yours say? You know how they talk about the old west and they put up these gravestones and they would say John was a sharpshooter. He was a good man. I hope mine would say that I showed courage. Many or some May say that I was a pain in the ass the entire time once I set my mind to do something. I don't know what else to do. See you on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Be there or be square. And in the meantime, keep on dancing, kids. That's all we can do is keep on dancing. I keep on dancing,
3: My name is Archie. I'm from Nigeria. I am the producer of the show. We would like to take this time out to thank you
2: for your continued listenership and support towards this show. However, this past couple of months, it's been increasingly difficult to produce this show. We would like to solicit for your support so as to keep this show running. Please consider any kind donation you can make, big or small. We would appreciate anything
3: that you offer. The donation link can be found on the website. Thank you.